Welcome to Career Tools. Today, Mark and I are going to talk about an especially important relationship during economic downturns, your boss's peers. Here we go. This cast is interesting to me because I know, I know you probably don't think about it as as much as I do because some of this is natural to you. But for somebody who's come out of an IT organization, out of an engineering organization, I hear all the time this uh, discomfort with playing politics, quote unquote. Right. And engineers and IT folks and all that, they, they kind of know that they need to play politics, but they're it's disdainful to them, number one. And number two, they don't know how to translate that into activity of actions, right? Action. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned play politics. I always laugh when people say that. And when people think I'm weird, because all I think about is management and clients and individual managers, I really have no life, but people think I'm weird because they start saying, well, I don't want to play politics. I don't want to that. My response is you're right. You don't want to play politics because everybody above you, they're not playing. They're working. Yeah, it's for real. And, and it's, it, it's not sport. It's serious stuff. And if you go into that and you play, you're going to get your head handed to you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I wanted to mention that. And that's not part of the show notes. That's not part of our planned right. delivery today. But, but it's, in, it, it's important. So if you're a technical person or IT person, engineer, whatever, where you don't naturally tend to think about these kind of things, here is an example. This cast is an example of politics in action politics from in, in a positive way which is yeah building relationships look I, I, don't, I don't think you know it's funny i don't think you can say politics in a positive way well we can but but we just ought to have a, 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 a string a, a thread or a, a grouping of casts called politics to help to to speak to people who would call it that but the fact is if you're in an organization and there are people involved politics are happening you can wish it away you know, I think we mentioned recently in a cast uh, something to the effect of, you know, we make recommendations for the real world. And I just think that that um, this is politics, but it is how organizations run. And um, sometimes when I hear politics, I, I just sort of step back. But I, th- but I think we ought to speak to it, at least in terms of a thread or a series on politics, recognizing that almost all of our shows, particularly those dealing with relationships, are going to touch on politics. And if you're uncomfortable with relationships, and sometimes you see relationships making a difference, and you call that politics, you essentially have a career-limiting mental image that is, that it's going to hurt you. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so so let's get right into this cast, which is about the importance of relationships during an economic downturn, and what do we do about that? Yeah, and and, and of course, this works all the time, but it's particularly important during a downturn because of the steel cage death match. Yeah. And, and why don't you explain that, that real quickly in case people don't understand. Yeah, that's right. We, 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 we joke about that. That's one of our, um, that's one of our phrases from, from Dan McGuire, but the steel cage death match meeting is, uh, the meeting that happens among perhaps people at your level and higher where decisions are made about who stays and who goes when there are layoffs during a recession. Um, we call it the steel cage death match because managers go in and the door is shut and, fighting goes on about who gets to keep whom and it's not a trivial thing and you want to be prepared for it and we've made some allusions to it and we've suggested some ways that managers can prepare for it 
so that you can keep as many of your people as you can within reason, um, recognizing that probably if the layoffs are deep enough and wide enough, everybody's going to lose some folks. But on the margins, you can keep more of your folks, more of your team, if you're more well-prepared than other managers who go into the meeting. Some managers would call it a layoff meeting. Some people would call it a headcount meeting. Some people will call it a drawdown meeting, uh, whatever uh, you want to call it. We joke about it and call it the steel cage deathmatch to send some message about how important it is and how professional managers can get ahead with advanced work. Right. And today we're going to, we're going to focus on a couple of things, but, but one of the things we're going to talk about is that your boss's peers play an incredibly important role during downturns. Right. The first reason is that, and and again, you, you alluded to it earlier, it's important all the times, right? It's particularly heightened during a slow economy. And and that's that their willingness to help you achieve what you need achieved is incredibly important. And, and usually that's, that's evidenced by them interceding on your behalf with their directs. Sure. Yeah. So, so that's, that's part of it. And if, if you have a good relationship with your boss's peers, they are much more likely to talk to one of their directs on your behalf after, after, and here's the key, right, giving, exactly. having, giving yeah. you five minutes to state your case for why one of their team members is not doing what you need them to do. If right. you don't have a relationship, that conversation is much, much harder to make happen. Right. Um, they're more likely to make a phone call for you. They're more likely to look over a presentation. Um, they're more likely to engage in a pre-wire with you. Yeah, the pre-wire is a huge one to me that I think people miss all the time. We've, you've got to pre-wire. If you don't know what that is, we've got a show on it. And the better relationship you have with your boss's peers, the more likely you are to to have things go well. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, during a downturn, almost every manager we know, and executives as well, they tighten their, their circle of concern a little bit, right? They, yeah. They, they tend to go a little bit internal, internal to start more protective than expansionist. And if you have a good relationship with a peer of your boss, you're much more likely to have a shot at those kind of things, even when things aren't going so well. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We can call this politics all we want, or we can say, I want a chance to get my obligations completed. And the better relationships I have with others, and the relationships take time uh, and and take a change in behavior for many people, the better relationships I have, the better off I'm going to be. And look, let's even say the real second, the second reason for having a, a, the important relationship or having a good relationship with your boss's peers is the hidden gem of an economic downturn. And that is, and I'm sure some people have already figured it out and we've alluded to it, your boss's peers are likely to going to be in that steel cage deathmatch meeting where your job security is being determined. Bingo. Being well perceived by the group that will make that decision is, in our minds, one of the career tools no-brainers. You've, you've got to do it. Yeah, your name comes up in the meeting your boss, let's assume your boss is going to support you. And if that's not true, then we got different issues we yeah, need to bye talk bye. about. But your boss is, you know, essentially competing for scarce resources with all her peers. And then when your name comes up, her peers are vocalizing support for you. It's just, yeah, it's it's a no brainer, like you said. Yeah, this ties in very well to that, to the, the show we did on Steel Cage Deathmatch. Okay, so the question is, for all of our career tools listeners out there is how do we do it? Um, we have three recommendations, each of which has some detailed guidance underneath it. The three high level recommendation is you, you've got to prioritize your boss's peers. You've got to make some choices. You don't necessarily have to reach out to all. We recommend you choose two or more, although be careful about having too many 
Two, relate to build relationships with directly. And then the third step is we need to build peer relationships. In other words, not boss peers, but our own peers. We need to build peer relationships across boundaries as well. Uh, and we'll recommend at, at that point of the show who you should uh, develop relationships with. Good. Okay. So we prioritize our, our boss's peers uh, simply. I mean, it's real simple, right? You can't go out and say your boss has eight eight peers. You can't go out and create great relationships with all of them simultaneously. So you've got to decide where you're going to focus if you're going to have any effect at all. Yeah. In fact, I joke, somebody said, well, you can't, you, know, you can't go out and decide to create all kinds of relationships. Well, you can decide it. You just can't do it. Right, right. <laughs> you can't deliver. Um, so look, don't, don't try to have great relationships with all your boss's peers. You don't need to have eight peers speaking up for you because it, it won't work. There are some of your boss's peers who are either too disconnected from your boss personally to intercede on your behalf when the chips are down, or they're too disconnected from him or her professionally to do so. You know, what they do is different enough that they don't have to communicate with your boss very often to get done what they want to get done. And they're unlikely to speak up for you no matter what. So we have, we have three sub recommendations to prioritizing your boss. And the first one is simple. You just can't relate well to all of them. There are probably too many. Now, look, if your boss only has two peers, right? You can probably develop better relationships with all of your boss's yeah, peers. I hope so. But look, we have to be careful here. We know you're busy. You don't have time to go creating a bunch of relationships. For some of you, relationships are hard work. You come back sweaty. <laughs> and that's okay. We respect that. You don't have to go across everyone. What matters is not, and this is a key point of this cast, what matters is not a lot of really weak relationships, but a couple of strong enough relationships that will motivate your boss's peers to, again, either intercede on your behalf when all around are pulling in their own influence and not speaking up and ultimately speak up on your behalf in the event of a layoff, a la steel cage death match. Think of these relationships not being wide and shallow, but rather more narrow and deep. Okay. So let's say for sake of argument here that your boss has eight directs and you can't focus on all of them at the same time. You can only focus on two or three. So how do you determine who to focus on? I got to tell a story first. The first time this cast, the idea of this cast came to my head was a couple of years ago was somebody said, I, I, you know, I got to figure out how to get some more stuff done. It wasn't a layoff, but, but I need to figure out how to get more stuff done. And I just feel like my projects don't get approved and everything. So I said, well, what kind of relationships do you have with your boss's peers? He said, well, I don't even have a good relationship with my boss. I said, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we have some work to do. And I suggest, well, you know, let's pick a couple of your boss's peers to have a relationship with. And and this person, you know, she said, well, who? I'm like, oh, okay. That's my Why question. You, well, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Let's, we got work to do. Let, let me do this. Send me a one paragraph. Send me an email, one paragraph per peer, describing them as best you understand them. And there were six, seven, maybe there were eight, but I don't think there were that many. And she sent me one paragraph on each, you know, three or four or five sentences. And it was just glaringly obvious who had good relationships with her with her boss immediately. I mean, it was in the tone and words of her email. And uh, so I sent back, I said, and you can't figure out from your own email who it was? And she's, well, I think it's A and B. I said, sure, it's A and B. <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, she's, well, I just wasn't sure. 
And sureness is not critical. If you don't feel comfortable about relationships, and so you tend to downplay your ability to accurately assess them, the strength of them, the weight of them, and so on, that's okay. It really is okay. Your first instincts are probably right. Trust yourself. Trust what you know about how things work in the organization. And okay, if you don't want to admit to having any first instincts, listen to your boss's communications with you and your team for two to three weeks. Okay, you're likely going to hear some of her peers' names more frequently than others. That's a start. If one of those names is used in vain, you know, obviously that's probably a good idea to take them off the list, Uh, particularly if it seems to be a long-running feud. Many, if not all, bosses have enemies or peers with whom they don't get along. You know, those are the ones who wouldn't speak up for you if you were Tiger Woods and they were picking golf partners because of their bad relationship with your boss. That's okay. Just cross them off the list. In fact, if your boss has five enemies and he has, he has eight peers, well, that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's the least, you know, it's um, the the least hated, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's, it's stupid, but it happens. And like we, like you said earlier, weren't we, pride ourselves of living in the real world this yeah the real real world doesn't isn't one of perfect harmony unfortunately yeah another way that that i i think um i I think people miss this all the time is you can listen retroactively by going back through your boss's emails see whom he copies out of his peers most often when he's sending notes out whose projects get mentioned the most or for that matter whose jokes she forwards Right. Um, because people who aren't good friends generally don't send jokes. I'm not a big fan of internet jokes, but be that as it may, they happen. You might be surprised how clear the picture becomes when you look at email. And in general, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think some of our listeners would probably figure this out. Um, email is an incredible store, store of knowledge about you, your boss, your team, your company, and all of its going ons. Very few think to use it as a resource, but it is a great one. Right. And of course, you could I imagine you could simply ask your boss. Sure. Although I could see where that wouldn't work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we we can't recommend that in all situations, right? But if you do have a good relationship with your boss, yeah, ask for his or her guidance. Explain that you're being smart about your career, and in a downturn, you know that help on your stuff from others in power is a good thing. If you get help on your stuff, that helps your boss. And it can really help if it comes down to time to who, who decide who stays and who goes. Right. And if um, if she shares some some names with you, folks who are particularly close to her or she'd like to develop a relationship, just, just recognize that if she indeed does have a good relationship, it's very possible that she may share your conversation with them. And so, so don't ask about what are important people who are important people to have relationships with and then not follow up because that's not going to look good. Ooh, very bad. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And also, you know, you, you might be able to get away with staying, saying steel cage deathmatch meaning to her. That's her own little private phrase. But regardless, yeah, if your boss is sharing with you who's important to her, you know, the burden's on you now. The cat's out of the bag and you've got, a, you've got an obligation immediately. Good. Okay, so now you've gone through this. You've identified folks. You've chosen two or three folks to build relationships with directly. Right. So we've chosen. What do we do now? Yeah. This is where it really gets interesting. Yeah. And and look, th- this may be simplistic. Some people, some of you out there, those of you who are comfortable with relationships, the Matt Beth- Beckwiths of the world, 
you, you're probably going to say this is simplistic, and you'll be right. We're starting here assuming you know, little, you know little or nothing about your boss's peers, and they know little or nothing about you. This is far more common than most people realize. And by the way, it's almost always a good assumption when it comes to reciprocity in relationships. If you have a strong relationship with X, they probably would say the same thing in reverse. Look, I have to say that that um, you mentioned technical people and IT people, and we we know we have a fair share of, of those in our audience. So I'm going to be very blunt. Start using people's names, for God's sakes. Using another person's name when you interact with them is an immediate way to start building a relationship. People notice. They don't even know what they've noticed. They just notice. We're amazed at the number of managers and professionals who don't make a point of using other people's names when they're interacting. So start with this. When you see your boss's peer, who's on your list, <laughs> say, hi, Cheryl, not just, hey. Hey, or hi, to some is, without the name, is, I know I have to say something to you, but I'm not going to reach out anymore. I'm not going to recognize who you are. I'm going to give you the same greeting I give somebody who I don't know in the organization but who I come in contact with for some reason. This is how relationships start, believe it or not. Um, you don't have to be a schmoozer, okay? Hopefully many of our listeners remember that we titled our first cast about relationships, Building a Network. And I think we said on the first cast, on that cast, that we did not call it networking because of the stupid bias that a lot of technical people have against networking, which is a terribly important career tool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So use their name. Believe it or not, that works. You know, one thing, this is something that just floors me every time, which is, and it's so simple, but folks don't do it. And I think we alluded to this maybe maybe on our very first cast when we described, uh, I think we titled it, it's a bad title, but I think we titled it something like Solution to a Stalled Technical Career. Well, it's a, why is that a bad title? Dude. <laughs> That was a good title. Oh, you like it? Okay. All, all right. the technical people, yeah, they wonder why their careers are stalled. And they're like, I'm I'm learning all this technical stuff. I'm like, dude, you need to know people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. relationships with the marketing people that you don't like because they go party on on Fridays at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Well, I'm glad you like the title. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, one, so, the thing we talked about in there was when you go to meetings – Sit with the folks that you want to develop relationships with. Don't sit with your friends. That's the yeah. natural thing. We all, you know, we have, I think we talked about on the podcast, you know, you go into a meeting with, let's say, IT and marketing, and you have marketing on one side of the table, and then you have IT on the other side of the table. And yeah, well, that, is, that doesn't feel like it's relationship building. Right. So in this case, sit with your boss's friends. Yeah. There's two or three people. If they're in the meeting, go sit with them. And then when you sit with them, don't, don't sit like a stone either. Do what you normally do when you sit next to someone. You know, if you, if you get up and get coffee, ask them, hey, can I get you some coffee? Or right. to, to our earlier point, hey, Joe, can I get you some coffee? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, ask them about the pers their perspective on, you know, particular situations that are coming up during the meeting. Right. If, if you know you have a, a dog in the fight, ask their opinion before before the conversation. Right. If you need common ground and struggling, re refer to one of their directs who's a peer of yours with whom you have a relationship. Yeah. Talk. Ask questions, listen, respond. That's that's what <laughs> yeah. folks do when they're in a relationship. Yeah. Talk, ask questions, listen, respond. Gee, it sounds like it's a relationship. Kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Another thing, you know, uh, the second thing we recommend, or the third thing we recommend, sorry, gee whiz, even if you're not, if you can't sit with them at the meeting, I mean, some places have seating charts, duh, 
shake hands before and after the meeting. Go over and say hello. You know, and this one's funny because it's like we recommended it years ago, and it works. However unclever or un or overly simplistic it sounds, whether you sit next to walk over, say shake hands, say hello, maybe you have to get a meeting. You have to get to a meeting a couple minutes early, and maybe you have to hang around a couple minutes afterwards. And for those of you who are in the efficiency rather than the effectiveness category, you're in the just let me do my work and I'm really not a politician kind of thing. If you're one of those people and you're too busy to be at meetings on time and so you can't show up a couple minutes early, look, I'm a nice guy and all, but let me just tweak you a little bit and say, please stop listening to this cast right now because you're so good at making excuses for yourself for not having to do things you're not comfortable with that you're unlikely to put into action our recommendations going forward. If you want better relationship with your boss's peers, which is how people who end up lasting through uh, um, steel cage deathmatch meetings or layoff meetings on the margin, not in all cases, but on the margin, that's how they make it through. Then if you don't have those good relationships and you're not willing to, in your mind, play politics or put differently, simply strengthen relationships, you're unlikely to be successful. I want to go back to our, our point about conversations because um, I need to share something here. It's going to sound obvious to a lot of folks here, but we have people all ranges of experience. When you're having a conversation, a good conversation with folks does not include your problems, your issues, speaking poorly of others, gossip. Don't make conversations with you a burden to be avoided at all costs in the future as a result of the things you discuss. Yeah, great point. The great way to be a conversationalist is to talk about the other person. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. So now we've picked two or three of your boss's peers that we're going to build a relationship with. Who else? Anybody else we need to work with? To me, this is the mistake people make. If you only listen to the first part of this cast, you might very well, if you're clumsy about it, and look, all of us are at various times. You don't. We're not asking you to be a statesman or a diplomat or somebody from the State Department, but up until now, you could argue, this is just a cast about sucking up. It's not. No, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. The real relationships that really matter, that are easy to, relatively easier to do, are to build relationship with your peers, those people who are directs of your boss's peers, across the boundaries. This is really where you can have the most impact. Because of that role imbalance between your relationship and your boss's peers, you may not have as much natural connection with some of them as you can more easily with their directs. Again, we're assuming that the directs of your boss's peers are your peers, roughly. You know, solid relationships with your peers will filter up to their bosses. If you do right by your cross-boundary peers, they will more likely do right by you. We're, we're not Pollyannas. We know they might not, but more likely they will. And they're going to communicate that to their boss. Input to their boss from them. Now, listen, about your work product, about your support of them, about your support of his projects, those things pay huge dividends when tough decisions are made. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's a real crux of the issue, though. Let's say my boss has eight peers. Right. And each of those peers have eight directs. And if I can do my math properly, that means there's 64 peers that you need to go <laughs> develop relationships with. Yes, I think our head just exploded. <laughs> I, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> yeah, how do I uh, how do I handle that? 
yeah, look, this is this is a similar thing. I think a lot of people mistakenly believe they they draw the the idea of politics and networks and relationships as a gigantic thing. Of my gosh, there are hundreds of people here. I can't do that. Well, you just be you, you, you're strategic about it. And again, we prioritize the directs of the key peers higher than we do of others. So if there are eight peers of your boss and there are two that you have picked as being key or close, you choose to relate to two or three of their directs. And frankly, hey, you, you, too, you choose to strengthen your relationship with their directs more than you do with the others. And you probably pick two or three of those who are first among equals, if you will, to strengthen your relationship. You're basically what you're doing is you're doubling down your bat on the key peers. The combination of relationships with the peer, your peer, and with the boss's peers as well, that we have better relationships with people who report to the key boss's peers, is necessary to to build that critical mass of knowledge in the boss's peer that would, and, and improve our relationship and our reputation and the influence related to that, we need to cause them to act, right? If we have slight relationships, per our earlier point about shallow and wide, if we only have slight relationships with a lot of people, they won't necessarily act when it matters. But good relationship with a couple of key peers of our boss and their directs, and in fact, a couple of their directs, is a way to eliminate the chance, the, the possibility that you look, I, 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 there are too many, I can't do it. All right. So, this, so you're almost purposely trying to create this like echo chamber of good stuff about yeah, it's Mark right. Yeah. It's usually not a good word, echo chamber, but that's exactly what it is. It's, yeah, I want them talking to each other about me. Exactly. Let me ask you a question, though. Who should I focus on? If I have, let's say, my, my uh, this peer of my bosses is one of the, the people that I have selected to build a relationship with, and I've been working with, with her. And she has two or three directs that I think are important. And, and a couple of them I have good relationships with already. And there's one I don't have a good relationship with. Maybe it's actually, maybe it's, it's worse than not good. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Where do, I fo- where do I focus? I focus on the ones that I have, you know, kind of building our own strength. Or do I go and, and spend time trying to fix my broken relationship? Build on strength, yeah. Don't try to take somebody out of the cellar. If you spend six months working on it and you get them out of the cellar and into neutral, they're not going to be talking to their boss about you. That first impression is negative and you have to work really hard to overcome that. So if you have good relationships or, or just let's say average relationships with a couple that are, are key um, directs of your boss's peers, you, in other words, your peers across the boundary, I would start there rather than trying to salvage one. Now look, if, if he or she is first among equals in a big way, then you need to respond to them just because that's part of building a relationship with their boss. But no, I wouldn't try to take somebody out of the cellar. Yeah, you could spend, you could spend a lot of time there. And yeah, not very not frustrating time. Good. Okay. All right, so now I've, I've got a couple of folks. G- give me some ideas on what I can do specifically. Yeah. What can I do to, to build those relationships? And this is one of those points that I think hopefully insulates us from a cry of politics. Look, what you do, the way you build relationships, is you do good work. <laughs> and, and the way we recommend that in terms of peers across boundaries is you respond professionally to them when they have requests about work. We're not saying you go party with them every Tuesday or every Friday. No. All right. Okay. Some of you now, the marketing folks now don't stop listening at this point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we'll do good work and party. Yeah. Right? There you go. Okay. You know, what we mean is respond as a professional would 
to those requests for, for, uh, for support. Consider the request. And if you can justify it in light of organizational needs and, and your additional criterion of supporting your key boss peers, respond well. Do high caliber work to a standard that if it were provided to you in reverse, you would consider remar- remarkable. I love that word, by the way, because remarkable means others would remark on it, right? Because our resources of energy and time are not infinitely elastic, okay, this way may mean that we have to say no to some other requests. And look, folks, that's fine. Plenty of folks are already doing that without consequence. You're already, you're probably saying yes to everything and then letting some things go or some requests are just not getting to you. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with going to those key peers and saying, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. I'll be happy to help out. If you need me to leverage somebody on my team, I'll be happy to help out. Again, professional doesn't mean saying yes to everything. No one says yes to everything. All we're doing here is making obvious to to y'all a reasonable criterion to apply to requests you get and to elevate those requests from people who are key peers, uh, to key across boundary peers uh, reporting to your boss's key peers. Yeah, good. An- another thing you can do, this is a big mistake that younger people make. The wiser professionals get clarity up front. Younger professionals, when they learn it's important to respond well to certain requests for helps, or to request for project support, what they do is they're really eager about it. Sure, 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 I'll be happy to help. A little bit of puppy dog in them. When we're young, we want to move quickly. When we're trying to build a relationship, we want to say yes, and we want to get busy right away. And that's the wrong answer. The smart move here, in terms of improving the chances that you'll deliver good work in a timely way, high quality and timely work, is to slow down on the details in the beginning while being clear that you'll help. Be careful of saying a bunch of peer marketing, peer relationship marketing like, you can count on me. I want to support your efforts here. I'll make this a priority. I know this is important. I'll make this work for you. I promise. Okay. Um, actually, let me rephrase that. Don't, don't be careful about saying something like that. Don't say something like that. Um, rather <laughs> say, hey, I'll be happy to help. Let's spend a few minutes getting clear about what you need from me and when. And what the standards would be. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. I'd love to be able to ask a few questions to make sure I understand. I hate getting started and thinking I'm doing the right thing, only to find out later this isn't what somebody wanted. So give me the big picture, and then let's fill in the details so I can do good work for you. I mean, I got to tell you, if somebody says that to me, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging that. Yeah, and it's not enough simply just to, to say you're going to help. Um, you got to do it once you say yeah. it. And in particular, pay particular attention to deadlines. If you meet all the deadlines of anyone with whom you want to have a better relationship, you will have more friends in more places than we know of. Deadlines are the great unsung relationship glue in organizations. Yeah, I- I'm telling you, deadlines, particularly across boundaries, right? Because the boss can't come down and say, you will. When you meet deadlines for a cross-boundary project, you are golden. You are the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Horseman's law. Who does what by when? By when? By when? Yeah, and you you have you have also have a law something about communications. So yeah, oh yeah. Our our fourth recommendation regarding peer relationships is to. Did, did you notice that like that transition there? Was that was that good? Did that work? Yeah, it's that segue. That was very nice. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> it's like you've been doing this a while. <laughs> Share with us. Oh, over communicate 
and include your boss in that overcommunication. As you work on other people's projects, let them know more often than you normally would about status, good or bad, and about information that you become aware of that may have a bearing on the work. Don't assume they know. It's amazing how narrowly or how within organizational boundaries some information travels. Give weekly updates for crying out loud. It's what you would want if you were in their shoes. Yeah. By God, no surprises. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. Oh, God. I mean, I mean that that's a clear. That's the easiest way to end. To to just completely throw away all the hard work you did in terms of a re- building a relationship. Go into a meeting where it's a project that's important to one of your boss's peer, having not communicated to her, uh, and, and surprise her. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly. that works. Yeah, good. Yeah. Little bomb. Here, I'm going to throw a little nuclear weapon into this thing. Small tactical nuclear weapon. Yeah, let's just blow up the relationship real quick. Look, think of yourself at least virtually as being on their project, uh, on their project team. Give status on deadlines, on resources, on quality. And, and in fact, if you do that, if you give status, if you over-communicate across boundaries now where it's harder to communicate, uh, email makes it easy, but people still don't do it. Um, if you over-communicate, you can actually be forgiven for missing a deadline. Although, generally speaking, hopefully, I guess we need to do a cast about what apparently a lot of people don't know is if you report status that you're going to miss a deadline, that status better include the plan and a new deadline, the plan for meeting it and the new deadline. I'm amazed by that. Furthermore, one of the things that builds relationships is proactive communication of matters of interest. If, if you're not working with a peer whom you're trying to strengthen a relationship with, in other words, you're not helping them on a project or something, but you're working on something related to what they do, and probably if they're direct of your boss's peers, that happens more frequently uh, than other people in the organization. If you learn something of interest, forward it to them, mention it to them. Unasked for intelligence is gold in many, many organizations that we are aware of. Yeah. And finally, look, keep your boss in the loop, particularly if there are problems looming. What you don't want is your peer to tell their boss and then their boss to tell your boss and your boss to say, how come I'm finding this out from my peer? Okay. Even if it means copying your boss on some stuff. Look, if you're creating a relationship with a peer, don't CC their boss. If you feel the need, CC your boss. Yeah. Simple, but it yeah. works. And then, and then our last point here, which is deliver. We've, we've already talked about it, so I might be beating a dead horse here, but and, and hopefully this goes without saying. If you are only successful on 80% of the projects, particularly if it's a soft economy, yeah, please make sure that, that they're 80% with which your boss's peers are most interested in, all other yeah, things being all equal. All things being equal, yeah. Delivering results is such a lovely support mechanism to give your boss. If he has to walk into a steel cage death match and she has results to show, yep, you're golden. Yep. And then a couple others speak up on your behalf and suddenly you've made it through round one. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have your CV ready, but it's and, and partially it's because of relationships with key bosses' peers. So prioritize those peers. Choose a couple to build relationships with directly using simplistic techniques. And then the really key, build peer relationships with their directs across those boundaries. Simple. Great. All right, folks. Go make your phone calls. There you go. <laughs> All right. See Thanks, you later. partner. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hey, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out the discussion forums at www.managertools.com forward slash forums. 
We have lots of great and very smart folks there who are very quick to follow up on any questions you might have. It's really quite an incredible community. So check it out. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. So long.